Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. I'm Josh. And we're back. And if you're watching the video, you may notice on the table in front of, oh, you can't see yours. On the table in front of me is a gigantic Batmobile. Look at yeah. this. It comes with a but lazy Susan. Touch oh, yeah. Just like in which Batman movie? Uh, Batman. <laughs> Isn't it in the first one when he hit in the Batcave? I don't know. Batman Returns. Oh, okay. In the Batcave, maybe. Yeah, Batman Returns is when it had a big foot that popped out of the ground and spun around and machine gunned all the clowns. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, this is the 1989 Batmobile. This thing is very long, almost two feet long. It has a super cool yeah. sliding cockpit it mechanism. Pops, it pops up. That mechanism yeah. is awesome. Yeah. It's on these rails that are kind of loose in there. So they've got the give to it. And then all of the slick pieces make it pop up. It's got machine guns that come out, except that I kind of messed up something on the inside, deep inside of it, that they won't work. But Apple if you pull those things off, you got machine guns. You got a uh, bunch of little minifigs here. You got the Michael Keaton Batman minifig. Oh, does, his head doesn't turn either. No, it's his uh, cowl and cape are all one piece. That is awesome. Yeah. Vicky Vale. Vic, Vic, Vicky Vale. Do you remember is how it? much Vicky Vale said she weighed? No. 108. <laughs> I love that movie. I love huh. it so much. We It was on TV. I think you weigh a little more than 108. Somewhere. I don't remember. A couple of years ago, we were somewhere and it was on TV. And the kids were like, oh, it's Batman. I'm like, yeah, you should watch this. This is pretty cool. And it's a TV cut. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't remember if there was anything scary in it or whatever. And then we watched about five minutes of it. And I'm like, yeah, this, is, this thing is pretty wacky. Like, <laughs> I kind of forgot. It's got prints. Yeah. Oh, that was the, I still remember the Christmas at my grandmother's house that I received that VHS tape. Hmm. I was so excited because I loved that movie. And that was, I got that and I got The Land Before Time. Oh. The first one, not the first of 18? whatever, like, yeah, the 20 part multi series. They eventually got to be like, The Land when there was time. Yeah. It's, then, we've eventually made it to time. The Land Past. After time, time series. So let me tell you how big of a Batman fan I was when this movie came out 1989. I was going into sixth grade, seventh grade, something, something like that. And I knew this movie was Soviet coming. Soviet Union was still around. Mm. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Weird. I was so excited. I started collecting all of the Batman stuff before the movie came out. You know, like every. The toy that had the bat belt that like went out on the retractable. I didn't have any of the like action figure type toys, but like I still have a Velcro Batman wallet. Hmm perfect shape i still have a black uh plastic like it looks like a beer mug like that shape but it's t small and black and plastic with the logo on the side of it hmm. kids still use it it's still held up the printing on the side of it is still perfectly there which is kind of bizarre and there's a picture somewhere at my parents house opening day of the movie me my brother and sister all standing in the front yard black batman shirts we suited Great. up to go to the movie, and I totally remember that entire summer. And after that, I specifically remember at some point putting on a black turtleneck Ooh. because I wanted to. It was like I was like downstairs in the basement in my little lair, you know, where oh, I had all my stuff. Brooding. And I was like, I need to set up like a workbench and like yep. a thing, and I should probably have a black turtleneck on and stuff like that. It was anyway. also Batman Returns where you get to see Michael Keaton kind of brooding in there by himself. And then he yeah. turns his glasses sharply toward the camera with his turtleneck on. Chewing on the, the end of the glasses a lot. Stuff. They need yeah. me. <laughs> I tried to show the kids Batman Returns one day. It's weird. It, it's a Tim Burton movie. But uh, they were freaked out and they were pretty scared. Like in the opening fight sequence with like the crazy yeah. Christmas clowns. Which I'm surprised I got through, to be honest with you. But yeah. they were all beat to pulp, so it was. We saw a chunk of that one somewhere as well, and it was you know the penguin pops on screen, and my kids were all like, is "What such is this?" A good man, Danny DeVito. <laughs> He's like, so in the gross. New, the though. new trailer was it Colin Farrell? Yeah. is the penguin. Yep. And I'm glad that he gets to try to get back into the comic book world after Bullseye because that was pretty terrible. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's funny. That was garbage. But is that French? It's poubelle is for garbage. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> but 
Danny DeVito in as the Penguin was perfect. Just so disgusting. He was so good in that character. Ugh. I think the worst... Oh, man, we're going to talk about Batman movies. Let's talk about Batman movies. Okay, so is it? that's not the first movie that you remember going to the theaters to watch. Nope. Was it? No. Because you, you would have been, what, 12? Yeah, I was 6th, 7th grade. I was, in, in there. I was in the kindergarten, and I remember when it came out. I, I actively remember going to see maybe Empire, but I, I think it was probably Jedi. I know I saw Jedi, but I think I might have seen Empire. Who was Jedi? 82? I thought it was later than that. 83, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, wait. No, no. Jedi. Yeah, Jedi would have been 82, I think. Whatever. Anyway, I remember going to see Jedi. I may have seen Empire, but I think Empire, if I saw it in theaters, it would have been a re-release because I think I would have been too young to remember. Yeah, because I remember when the re-releases came out. Yeah. Like my, my mom and I went to go watch them. And there was a, a drive-in theater here. And a lot of, like, I remember seeing A New Hope at the drive-in, probably saw Empire there. So, you know, years later, they would reshow that stuff at the different movies at the drive-in. So some of the ones I remember. Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. I remember that because I remember freaking out about the Ewoks at that age being like, whoa, they're like tiny Wookiees. But I remember when I went to Disney with some family members and we went on Star Tours. And when I saw Star Wars, because we had them all on VHS. Like the original series, I thought that they were fun and they were cool. And it's the the Star Wars story, like the the least, you know, um, the least brave, the least valiant can rise up against the overwhelming, you know, imperial the force. little guy. Yeah, right. And I thought it was just a fun, cute story. And I remember all of my family members while we were there were like, Ewoks are the dumbest thing. They're ruining Star Wars. The only reason they're there is so they can sell like stupid plushie dolls. And I remember my cousin had one of those plushie dolls. And I was like, well, you can't be all that mad because I'm pretty sure this was your money that bought this thing. <laughs> I, I've never understood that. I don't know how we got to that from Batman, but we'll go back to Batman in a second. I've never understood the Ewok hate. It just. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, maybe I was at the age where, you know, it just seemed like part of the movie and whatever, but I guess it would be to others at the time like gungans are to me <laughs> so maybe i do understand it we just rewatched uh, that episode of mandalorian where uh, bill burr <laughs> we did too was making fun of him <laughs> why'd you take off that mask maybe you're a gungan <laughs> yeah that's the one we're on to back to batman yeah so i was a huge batman fan um both from the comics i guess that's when i started uh and then all of the movies and I had something I was going to say about that, and I don't remember what it was. I had the soundtrack on cassette tape. I think I still do somewhere. Hmm. Had a big Batman logo poster on the wall. And I think we've talked about this before, but like my big character influences when I was younger were Batman, James Bond, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes. Yep. Like those were my three. You know, I like Star Wars and I like the, the franchises and stuff. But as far as the just individual characters that I would always, I would read every comic I could. I would read every book I could. I would watch every movie I could. Those three were like the thing. And it's funny because the spy kind of detective action thing is between all three of them. Like there's a lot of similarity between those three characters that I didn't think about until. I mean, Batman very, comes from detective comics. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's got the crossover of action with James Bond and the gadget stuff. The detective stuff goes between Batman and Sherlock. And then I guess the British goes between <laughs> Batman. <laughs> I mean, between James Bond and Sherlock. I don't know. Who's the best Batman? Ooh. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think probably Christian Bale so far. After watching Tenet, I'm really interested to see what Pattinson yeah. does. Yeah, me too. But I think so far, um, you know, I th- I liked uh, Mike. What's his face? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. <laughs> I just blanked. I just blanked. I knew it started with a my. Uh, I just couldn't think of the rest of it. Anyway, I liked him. His name is Michael <laughs> Douglas. Did you know that? What? Yeah. Michael Keaton is not his real name. His real name is Michael Douglas. What? But when he went to go register for the Screen Actors Guild, there's already a Michael Douglas. So they're like, <laughs> and he's bigger than you. You could be Mike <laughs> Douglas. And he's like, no, that's dumb. So he changed his name to Michael Keaton. Huh. But his real name was Michael Douglas. 
crazy. The more you know. Yeah. I mean, he was good for for that movie, but like it, having him as the Batman in the Nolan movies wouldn't have made sense. You know what I mean? It's just like he was the right actor for that type of original movie, the Tim Burton one. That's what it was. That's where I wanted to go back to. Tim Burton. Have you watched Prop Culture on mm-hmm. Disney Plus? Did you watch the one about, um, well, I guess if you watched the show, you did. But the one about the Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes, I did. That was so cool. Yep. And like seeing the amount of design and mechanical stuff that had to go into those so that like before they could even really pitch the movie, like to get the, the drawings to become real things that could then be posable and animatable. And yeah. I don't know what the word is there, but something like that. that Corridor Crew just did um, a little short in one of their VFR artists react about Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, really? Which they, I mean, they skimmed the surface. The prop culture is definitely like way better, but just how they made that movie is <clears> fantastic. <throat> the music in the movie I thought was fantastic. And I was like, oh, those are Danny Elfman movies or Danny Elfman songs. And I did not realize that Danny Elfman was actually the voice and <laughs> yeah. sang the song. I didn't either. And I thought he was just the voice throughout the whole movie. And they're like, oh, no, that's not him. That's uh, Prince Humperdinck from <laughs> Princess Bride. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm like, the whole time I'm watching this, I was mildly interested in the movie when it came out. It was a little, it was a little scary. I don't like scary movies. But that episode of that show made me so interested in that that movie because of the intricacies, because of I just constantly learned something that I didn't know yeah. or didn't know was interesting at face value. Right. Yeah, I mean, the movie for me has never been that big of a thing. Uh, just like we watched it last year because my kids finally wanted to watch it and we didn't think it would scare them and didn't. But we watched it again and the whole time I was like, I, mean, yeah, I get it, but, you know, like I don't like it. <laughs> it's just like I get how groundbreaking it is and how mm-hmm. interesting and so yeah i had the same feeling watching that prop culture i was like i'm not really that much on the movie but learning about how it was done and uh, i don't know that was really cool i like that show a lot i i do wish the episodes were like twice as long and he would spend a little bit more time on the things you know because he's trying to cover a lot of stuff in a single episode but i do like that show a lot and that dude i don't know what his name is the host what's his name i don't remember he's got to be like eight feet tall he's a giant. There's images of him like walking next to people, and he's a good oh, like he's the, the foot like, and a half the taller. Toy collector. I remember. I know who you're talking about now. I don't know what his name, but I know who you're talking about. He just looks super tall. I but. had the image of um, is that dude's name Rutledge? Whatever. Oh, <laughs> you know that guy is in so many shows. I've only seen him in two. He's in. I watched this thing on Netflix. It's like a barbecue competition show. He's a host of that one too. Oh. After I saw him in uh, whatever his most recent thing was, Floor is Lava. Floor is lava. Boo. Yeah. Big disappointment. I just remember thinking that like Rutledge's parents must own some type of production you know, house. <laughs> I was like, because somebody really, really, really wants me to like Rutledge to be the host of the show. He's like the, he's not really chubby, but he's like the the bearded lumberjacky kind of every person's neighbor. I mean, he's a pretty good host though. Yeah, but like in his hosting duties on a lot of these shows, like he's... He's not in the show very much. Yeah. He's not the judge. He's just like, I mean, in Top Gear, when he hosted that, like at least he was, he had a lot more on-screen presence. He had a lot more yeah. involvement. And so, so I just remember thinking like, dang, Rutledge, like save some for other people. Got it. Got to work, man. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But, okay. Back to Batman. Um, I I love mm. the, the Jack Nicholson Joker. And then with, it was comedic and silly. Like as a kid, I thought it was menacing and it was also not terrifying. Hmm. And that was really my only experience with Joker because I was a Spider-Man reader. I didn't read DC comics. The only DC comics I read were when Superman and Doomsday were fighting it out. I thought that was kind of cool. And a little bit of Green Lantern. Hmm. But Jack Nicholson set the stage for Joker. And then when Heath Ledger became Joker, like that, that blew my mind. That was the, yeah. the coolest superhuman villain that like I had seen in any movies by far the best it was one that that made that movie for me yeah for sure Christian Bale I thought was a great Batman I can't stand when he speaks but I think his character arc over those three movies I think is pretty good 
but he was great except for all the talking. <laughs> well, while he was, he was Batman. Yeah, that is dumb. Did you ever see the? Um, I can't remember which comedy channel it was, but they did a, a spoof about him about his voice. I know the it was a college humor. Did yeah, the whole yeah. I think that's what it was. He had the guy hanging over the ledge, and he was like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, anyway, yeah, I was a huge uh, Batman fan for the comics. I mean, for a long time, and I've got a, actually right there, The Dark Knight Returns, the mm-hmm. original book. Frank Miller is right there, and then down in there somewhere, I've got the Death in the Family. Um, and I remember Death in the Family was the, if anybody, spoiler alert, thirty some odd years later, um, it's the one where the Joker kills Robin. Yep. And I remember getting that book at over by where Big Lots is. There used to be a comic book store in that little strip, and I used to go in there all the time. There needs to be a comic book store back over It'd be nice. I need to have one in town. But I went over and got that book, and it was a big, the thick one. Mm -hmm. And I remember on the front of it, it's Batman holding Robin, and he's like all bloody and just like floppy. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I was enthralled with that book, and it was such kind of like a big deal at that age. I don't know how old I was, probably fifth grade or fourth grade or something like that. I remember getting, when Superman died, when he fought Doomsday, it was in the cellophane pack. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were not going to open it to read it. And then oh, it had yeah. the little series after that where there were like multiple Supermen. Mm, yeah. And yeah. then the one revealed to be this weird incarnation of the actual Superman. But we had it for the longest time. And then I wanted to read it, so I opened it. Because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> that kind of person that wants to keep... I, I don't like it when I buy comic books now at the comic book store that's kind of near our town. That they come on boards. Like, I appreciate that. And that's how they store them. And, and for, But you can keep that money. I'm going to read them and I'm going to put them in a stack. Because I like to read them. My kids like to read them. Yeah. I've got a giant stack of comic books that in the secret office. Then when they go in there, I know that they've been in there. Because there's comic books everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, years ago, I think when I was in college, I went and bought a, a box of boards for comics. Mm-hmm. Just because I have this box back here that has all my comics. That's all of my comics from growing up. And I've carried them around my entire life. Yeah. And it was like, I can either keep these in a cardboard box and eventually they're just going to all be curved at a 90 degree angle from sliding down. Or I can spend $5 on a bunch of boards and just spend an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Know, the the organization them. piece of me like loves that idea. But it's unnecessary. I, I want to read them. And yeah. it's fun. Not fun. It's interesting to me. Like working in your house. And seeing all the stuff that you have from all of the different chapters of your life to where I have moved around so much that every time we moved, either as a kid, which wasn't very much, or as an adult, like things had to to prove themselves <laughs> to be able to be put in a box to go somewhere oh, else. Oh, right. Yeah. And so all the stuff that I had as a kid, like there's no telling where all that stuff went. And now it's certain things I care to go and like look back and try to find like the Centurion's toys or now a certain line of comic books. I really liked the Spider-Man clone series where uh, the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley showed up. Mm-hmm. I really liked that storyline. And that was, a lot of people didn't like it because it was right before the comic book bubble burst in the 90s to where everybody loved comic books and then everybody hated them all at one point and nobody bought comic books anymore. Right. And so that series I thought was great. And in trying to find comic books again i wanted to dive deeper into it because it's one thing i i something i dislike about comic books is there's the amazing spider-man there's a spectacular spider-man <laughs> yeah. there's spider-man there's ben riley there's peter parker as spider-man and so like there's so many different threads of the same character and at the time that story weaved its way through so many different i don't know sub brands or whatever of, of book and so it was really difficult to keep uh keep a train of thought or to figure out the entire arc of that character because it wasn't in a sequential series. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, you can read amazing Spider-Man. It was like 162 through 168 and then spectacular Spider-Man 58 was this. And then, so it bounced all over the place. And so now I'm trying to go back as I care. It's not a fervent search, but like go back and try to read up on those. And my kids really like them too. So Hmm. it kind of helps. I mean, a lot of things like that. I don't know if, Maybe those being too spread around, but a lot of times you can just buy a trade paperback at this point of, yeah. you know, a whole bunch of uh, issues of a certain story. Well, uh, the um, the War Machine Punisher 
model that I made on the show oh, yeah. a while back. Yeah. That was its own storyline, which I thought was super cool. And I'm still missing the number one from that series. I have all the rest of them. Hmm. But there is. There's a, like, I guess the compilation book or whatever that's called. Yeah. That you can read through it. And I found that book. I'm like, but I, I want the individual book. Like, yeah. there's something about the hunt. And then you, the more story is revealed to you as you put in more effort to search for the story, I think is fun. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to to collect all the pieces of something. The trade paperback is is good if you just want to. Is that what that's thing, called? But yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but I've never really picked up any of those because, one, I don't read comics that often anyway, but also I, I would like the hunt, you yeah. know, back to my toy collecting days. It's it's fun to find all the pieces. Ah! I keep dropping pieces. Sorry. When I went to Portland to, for the fusion course. There you go. I don't know. I'm listening. Proceed. Just ignore me. People mm-hmm. who are watching the video. <laughs> Bob's right over there. There was a comic book store in Portland that was kind of near the hotel, and I had you know some time to kill, so I was again I was trying to find the the first issue of the Punisher War Machine series, and I went into this comic book store in Portland, Oregon, and they had maybe a few shoe boxes of popular comic books, and the rest were like locally, you know, uh, locally drawn or. You know, local stories or just like super, super rabbit hole characters that I had never, ever heard of. It's like all organic comics. Yeah. And so when you walk into like a big flashy comic book store, there's like, there's some little statues of Marvel characters and there's like maybe some Warhammer stuff. And there's the big, the big name characters are up up on display. There, theirs were definitely not. Hmm. And I felt very stupid. And I felt like uh, I should not be here. You guys have any X-Men? Yeah. And they all just go, Yeah. I asked the guy and I'm like, I'm trying to find this one. Because he asked me. I wasn't going to interact with him for fear of just like (laughs) sounding really dumb. Um, It's like talking to Anthony about coffee. Like, I like it cold or hot sometimes. (laughs) It's the extent of that conversation. But the guy engaged me and I was like, well, this is what I'm looking for. And he was like, yeah, he's like, there might be some in like the used area back there in the back. And I'm like, I'm I'm going to venture no. Yeah, but thanks. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of the word. You'd be like, you can check check the, uh, you know, pop culture section in the background. Or the- <laughs> we put those here to weed out people <laughs> section like it's in the back <laughs> by the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else is going on? Anything else? You got your pool covered, I saw. Yeah, we covered up the pool. Your deal. What was the thing yesterday you were doing with the strap? I saw something on Instagram. You you had like a strap around the outside of the... Did you say you put a strap around the outside of the pool? Yeah, the way that this... I have an above ground pool that's surrounded by a deck. So there's like the lid that's around the top. Yeah. And when I moved in, I YouTubed how do you close up a pool? Because I don't know. I've never had a pool. And the, I guess the, the way to do it is that you drop the water level below the skimmer. And the skimmer is the, the box that sucks the water in, filters out any bugs or leaves, and then puts it into the pump into like the big sand filter. And then it gets shot back into the pool. So the deal is that you drop the water level down below the skimmer so that no water can leave the pool. But then in the, the spring slash summer, you have to fill that water back up, which kind of sucks because it's a lot of water. And then you pretty much just so you drop it down and you take apart all the stuff and then you put a tarp, like a big circular tarp over top of it. And ours came with these water bags. It came with, I would say, 30 something of these water bags that you fill up. They're a semi, like it's like a TPU material where it's kind of stretchy, but kind of not. And it has a big, like thick gasket plug. So you fill it up and then you snap that plug closed. It's like a waterbed, but a bag. And it was very difficult to fill up because you want to fill it up to expand it so that it's a heavy, you know, counterbalance bag. But then as you try to put the plug in, it squishes all the water out and it's huge and messy. And I really didn't like it. And then over the course of the winter time, when it rains or it snows, all the water just sits on top of the tarp and can like pull down the sides of the pool and it's bad. Which then in the springtime, I have to get a sump pump and pump all that water off of the tarp 
clean up all the nasty goo and like um, dissolved leaves and junk. It's a, it's a process, which I don't like, and there was a better way. Or I think there's a better way. So I found on YouTube this guy that did a process of not draining it below the skimmer, keeping the water line where it currently is, but you plug the skimmer so that water can't get out of the pool. And then you put a tarp directly on the surface and you get all the air out. So it's just like a skim vacuum sealed layer of water. So it's higher. So there's more like uh, apron. There's more skirt on the outside of the pool. Mm. And then you can take this cable. It's like a, a plastic coated cable that has a little ratcheting mechanism. And you just cinch that around the, the top so that it can't get air underneath it. It can't blow off. But to combat the rain and stuff that would naturally accumulate on the top, you, I made this drain that the guy showed in the video. And it's just like a T or a, um, like a, not T fitting. The fittings that would go into a sink. What's that called? The P trap? It was just like the P trap. Oh, and little pieces. Yeah. yeah. And then you cut a hole in the tarp and then you sandwich together this other part of the drain so that any water that gets on goes into the drain, down the P trap, and then out of the pool, which made me really, really happy that I did that big project mm -hmm. over the summer where all my stuff is connected to like a big central french drain this i was i was very proud of that <laughs> so now i have the water level that is fine i shouldn't have to refill it we put in all the closing chemicals and everything like you should do so now when it rains it's going to get drained away into this fabulous like drain that i made and i don't have to deal with it uh <laughs> sorry I, neighbors just kidding well no it was a joint project <laughs> no, with me and my neighbors <laughs> Uh, I don't know what to do about the leaves. Theoretically, the leaves would just like sit there and I could like hit them with a leaf blower because they're it's not like a tea anymore, like a leaf yeah. soup. They should be sitting in semi-dry space. Yeah. I don't know. That's something I got to figure out. I mean, there, there will be a layer of gross stuff on there just from that accumulation and like you know, there will be some water that stays up there. The leaves will break down a little bit until the water dries out and then it'll just continue to happen. But you shouldn't have to like pump the top of it off yeah. anymore. So it should be a lot easier to deal with. When we had a pool, I remember the first year I went to close it, um, I pulled all those bags out of from underneath the house and I was like, nope, yeah. <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> not even, no. And I got one of those safety covers mm -hmm. and, you know, put in the, took forever to drill all the holes around in the concrete to put in the anchors. So then you put the safety cover on and it's a mesh. So it lets rainwater and dissolved leaves and dirt and stuff into the pool. So I guess you could put a, a tarp underneath that if you really wanted to mm. kind of keep those out, but I just never did. It was just more when I opened the pool and at the beginning of the year, it was a week of vacuuming and cleaning and scraping and you know, whatever. Yeah. But that was so much Easier for me and for us, it was a big concern because we had, you know, three kids under four. Oh yeah, absolutely. And two dogs that like to run across it and stuff like that. So it was just it wasn't worth having a anything that could compress. Those safety covers are under tension, and so you can walk across it. I saw a video when I got that thing of a baby elephant walking across a pool with <laughs> one of these covers on it, and then a car like it was like a Volkswagen Bug or something. They drove it on. It was super awkward because they had to like get over the ledge and then it immediately starts like <laughs> dipping down. They drove a car out onto it, a small car, but but anyway, the pretty cool. The whole tarp thing that I just explained is held in place by this kind of halo of PVC pipe that if you it's flexible enough, so you make a I don't know a nine sided thing and then you push them all out and hook them together, so it squeezes up against the side of the pool and it's held down by some other pieces of PVC pipe. So it's I don't know. I look at it and I, I wake up expecting to see the whole thing just broken and ripped up because we had a storm the other day and I heard the noise the day that we installed it. And when I cut the hole in the tarp, the tarp is still, it's a thin tarp. And where I sandwiched the actual drain through that hole, it had torn away hmm. and it was so windy and it acted like this little ram air hood and it just turned the whole thing into a big igloo. So I had to go out yesterday oh. when I got home and I reinforced the mess out of that hole with a bunch of flex seal tape and duct tape. And so it hmm. should theoretically be okay, but I'm treating this whole thing as a big experiment because I, I didn't like what was happening before. This is a weird DIY ish kind of thing. So I expect it to not be perfect, 
And so this will be iteration one. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty big step forward and having to care for it over it the winter and stuff. It was so though. much easier yeah. to do that. Oh, it, it makes me happy right now. So we'll see if anything changes over the, the course of the winter. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Um, oh, and I was going to say. Yes? Uh, this was the third time that I've had to do that. Do what? I've had to... Is this the third time? I don't remember. I've had to close the pool. I think oh. this is the third time. Yeah. Which made me think that it is, what, October? Mm-hmm. I have been working at... I like to make stuff for three years now. That's wild. Right? That's really wild. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been working here for more than three years. Well, la di <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to have that record beat for you. <laughs> That's crazy. That's yeah. really crazy. Tiff brought that up the other day. So I know we've kind of talked about this before, but what's the longest you, since maybe in your adult life, what's the longest you've been in a single place? Mm, it was living in a single place? Yeah. A little over three years. And I think I did the math. In March, I will have lived here longer than I have lived anywhere as an adult. Hmm. Like that's when I moved out of my parents' house to go to college, I started there. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts. I mean, as a military kid, I, I didn't move around very much. Like we were very fortunate. My dad did stuff at this particular base that was very specialized to that particular base. So I moved three times, you know, as, as a military brat. And one of those places, like I was zero when we moved. So I don't even remember. Right. Um, but after that, like college, my military career, my contracting career after that, it was all very short term. And I tried to to look back at the different, I say like careers, like careers that I've had and how long each one of those had lasted. And I was in the army for about eight and a half years, a little over eight and a half years. But even in the military, like you're in the army, yes, but you move from organization to organization. And so mm -hmm. it's a completely different culture, a completely different work life, all new employees. And so looking at my army career, I, I see that as multiple, multiple jobs within a career. Like if you work for right. GE and yeah. you move across the country, like, yeah, it's a different job. And I still think that Belgium, no. I worked in Washington. When I was stationed in Washington, we moved up there in 2005, and then I deployed, and we left in 2009. So that was a little over three years because of the way the months rolled. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is that time to where normally in a career I would be uh, bored or feel like I have tapped out or been at a place long enough to figure it out and realize I wanted to do something else. Hmm. And well, I haven't felt that here. <laughs> see, it's been no. nice. Yeah. I guess we'll see you around. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Take my Legos and I'm going home. <laughs> but I haven't felt that because everything that we do here is, is something new. Like even the stuff that we are routinely doing, it's still something new. Right. There's still something to learn. There's still more growth to be had in different areas. Like it's fun and it's silly mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know. I don't comparing to my last career at Lockheed where people stayed in this one office from the day they were hired to the day they retired. Like I can't, I don't know. And I don't want to try to forecast out that far. Yeah. Because that's just, it's an unknowable thing right now. I mean, we have opportunities that we are creating which I think is super exciting. Like it's not necessarily a startup because you had already started it before I started working here and before Forby started working full time. And then when Anthony started working here and, but the amount of influence that we as like, we as employees get to have and like the potential future of this company is unheard of in normal, like regular jobs. Right. So I think that, emptiness or cog in the wheel feeling that I had at a lot of other positions like I don't have here. So oh, the context right. is completely different. Yeah. That's interesting. And good. there's a lot more personal ownership of, of the future mm -hmm. and investment of my time, which 
will affect that future. I think that's one of the cool things, like you're saying, that we we are creating the next opportunity. Like we're we get to do different things every week, but those things are essentially building a thing, making a video about it, and then making all the ancillary things that go with that video or yeah, with that piece of content. And it's kind of cool that we get to also just decide, well, what can we do other than videos? Oh, we should make a podcast where we get to play with Legos and like, hang out and talk for a while. Man. Cool. Let's do it. I don't know if I've told you this, but every time we think about doing something or when we have like our brainstorming sessions about either projects or like the far off stuff, or I imagine that we're in like a boardroom <laughs> and I am pitching that idea to, you know, insert people who are listening, your manager or your executive director or your whoever, mm. right? And just looking at the faces of like, if I was in a boardroom and I had to pitch this to every one of my past bosses or bosses, bosses, or person who would say yes or say no. And as I look at their imaginary reaction in my head and that's, it makes me really happy. Right. Yeah. Because I could not sell the thing that we're like, we could make a change today that would affect what happens tomorrow, which in a, a, a real I'm going to say a real job that I didn't mean it like that. Like <laughs> in a corporate whatever kind of setting, See like <laughs> that's absolutely unheard of. Yeah. You right. can't do that, especially as an individual employee. You can't have that much effect and you can't have that much immediate effect. But uh, yeah, I, I picture all of my past managers and bosses and I'm like, hey, what if we did this? And they go, yeah, okay, whatever. And then they'd laugh or they wouldn't even give me the time of day or they would fire me. Or they would just learn to ignore every word that came out of my mouth. Yeah. They'd like the pat you on the head kind of sure thing. Yeah, you need to go talk to somebody because you apparently have no idea how the real world works. <laughs> you can't just do that. You can't just take it and make somebody's head squirt green soap out of their nose. <laughs> That's Yes, yes you stupid. can. And we have proof. Yeah. I remember pitching that idea and you laughed and went, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and that was it. And... I don't remember how long ago that was, but it's weird to think of it that was years ago. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of weird. And I think as as I get older, and I tried to talk to my son about oh, this. Dude, how many pieces are you dropping well, I'm just dropping there? all of them. I'm done with it, though, so it's good. Oh, you, you pulled from behind. Uh, I was talking to my son about, like, the scale of time. Because as a kid, your your scale is not even to the end of the day. And then as you get older, it becomes weeks or maybe months because you're looking at school time is up. So it's, oh, it's X amount of months later. Yeah. And so that is like your horizon. And as I get older, that horizon constantly moves. And I can track like the different careers that I've had that have made me shift that that timeline. I remember when I, when I joined the army, like basic training was nine weeks, which seemed like forever. And then huh. you go to a new, a new duty station or new a deployment is this many months. And then if you wanted to retire, that career was 20 years. And so each one of those weird little milestones increases that horizon. You can see it a little bit closer. And so now that we're here and we bought a house and we just planted that tree, which again is some <laughs> silly little thing to me, but that tree uh, moved that horizon for me. Oh, yeah. Or like the conversations that we have about like the kids potentially going to college or whatever, like. This was another major milestone, not in like the chapters of life that, you know, we've talked about or Dustin and Matt talk about, but moving that horizon for me that like five years or we, I just remembered I've been here for three years. Like, whoa. Yeah. That was a blink. That was a month. That was a, a whatever time increment that seemed so long and then became inconsequential. Right. And that's crazy to me. One of the things um, that always kind of struck me about those kind of the way you gauge time, not necessarily going forward like you're talking about, but I remember being, I left Kentucky when I was uh, 17, went to college and, you know, like you say, and you always have these points, I'm going to go to college, high school's over, and then I'm going to be done with college, that's the next thing, and then I'm going to be, well, whatever, 25 or 30 or 40 or I'm going to get married, whatever the things are that you look to. I remember being in Savannah and thinking about how long I had been there and realized that I had been there longer than I had been here. Mm -hmm. And 17 years 
here yeah. to then do more than that in a different place. I was like, oh, wow, this like this is my home now. Yeah. It's not that I'm still away from home. <laughs> it's I've spent a lot more time here than I have anywhere else. And um, it it's interesting because it took me that turnover in Savannah to recognize that as my home, that it was a place that I was going to, I had been and was going to be for a really long time. And then to turn around and move back after, I think, I think we were down there. I was down there for 22 years or something. Wow. Um, but then to turn around and move back. And as soon as I got back, I was like, yep, I'm home. It, it didn't take another hmm. 23 years yeah. to feel that it was just like, no, this is this is home. Like I get it. This is a Has different Jenny feeling. Come to that realization yet? I don't think so. Yeah. No. But at the same time, you know, she has. I've lived in two places. She's lived in three places. So even going, you know, me. I was coming home. She yeah. was going to another place. And so, I don't know that. I don't know if that'll ever be a thing for her, because she's still in a place that's not a place that she grew up. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not really sure, but. That switchover, I remember being in Savannah um, and kind of recognizing how long of a time that was to have been somewhere else. And honestly, it was just kind of like, oh, like, man, I've been here a really long time. Love the people in Savannah. Lots of great relationships and friends. But at the time, I was just like, wow, I'm still here. (laughs) That's Hmm. interesting. And it, it it was a little eye opening to move back and it just immediately fall back into I'm comfortable here. You know, this is a place that I am comfortable with, even though it's a lot different than it was when I was growing up. And a lot of the people that I knew, most of the people I knew are not here and stuff like that. But it's interesting how we kind of gauge time and sections of life through stuff like that. But anyway, back to your job thing. I'm glad you've been here for three and, uh, yeah, we got lots of cool stuff coming that will make the next five, ten years really interesting, I think. And that's the stuff like when we started having those conversations and now we have production meetings where every week we get to talk about the progress of those things. And those are things that we're hoping can can be on that kind of time scale. Because mm-hmm. right now we work at weeks. Yeah. And the weeks are are now a blink because it's not a seven days. It's one project. Yeah. And so once that one thing is done, that's a week is gone. Yeah. And these are things that will hopefully be much longer term than those, which are fun to think about and scary to think about. Yeah. One of the things that's really interesting about, I wish we could be more concrete with people who are listening, but we can't. We're not going to. So just imagine the abstract things that we're thinking about. Right now, we are just focused and fully engaged in the thing that is happening right now Mm -hmm. to get it done. And these other things, excuse me, these other things are going to be a potentially a little more hands-off and a little more like they can be happening independently. Yep. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how our perception of productivity changes and, you know, where we're putting our actual man hours and stuff as we're jumping into all sorts of new things. But my wife and I had the conversation that you're just talking about now about going back home mm-hmm. because we have a Thanksgiving trip scheduled or we're going to go back to the Panhandle of Florida. And I got my older brother, my younger sister, and my dad. Like, we're all going to be together for the first time in like a long time. That's cool. And I'm super excited about it. But my dad's house is still the same size as it was when we all lived there when we were younger. Oh, right. And so it can't fit everybody. Like my brother has two kids. My sister's married now. And so I had to look for a place that could house everybody. And so I found a, like a beach rental house. And... I'm super looking forward to it, but it's it's a, it's different now. Everything is different now. And we were asking some friends of ours from high school that we have kept up with, like if they were going to be home for Thanksgiving. And um, our one friend was like, no, we're not going to because, you know, we're building a house here. And the girl I'm talking about was friends with my wife and I. And then she got married to a guy who we were also in high school with, who was a year older and they were my wife knows him and whatever. And so he's in the air force and they've moved around and they're in Nebraska. And I remember when they moved to Nebraska, she complained because it's, I mean, we're from the beach and they moved to Nebraska. Mm. And so now 
she has a son who's 13. Uh, they're building a house. And the idea of going back to Florida is it's cumbersome now. Hmm. And that whole area, like the beach is the allure. The it's, it's still very, very conservative. It's still very redneck Riviera kind of thing. And I think a, a part of me and a part of the people that we've talked to from high school, like we're, we're all kind of past that now. Right. And it, it's, it doesn't have a whole lot else to offer other than sand and water and family members and God love family members, but that's not enough to move back, back there. Yeah. yeah. And there needs to be more. Hmm. And so now I want to go home. I want to see my family. And they're like, you guys are always so far away. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, some of that was the military moving us and, and whatever else. But like now it is a conscious choice to like, if given the opportunity, I wouldn't move back here. Hmm. Because before we landed here, we were in the RV hanging out and experiencing whatever we wanted to experience. I mean, we were uh, pursuing opportunities as they arose. And we had the conversation a lot of times like, we can literally live anywhere. When at the time, the army told me exactly where I had to live, regardless if yeah. I wanted to go or not. Right. And then it was job opportunity. And being a contractor for the military, it's a three, usually a three-year rolling gig. And that went away. And it's like, well, okay, bye. They didn't have invest enough in in the people that used I had to make my own way. And that also included not being tied down anywhere. Like being able to move was an opportunity for an employer. Rather than like, oh, well, that person you're limited if you your kids are in high school and you bought a house like you're only you're limited to your opportunities to what's immediately around you to where if i don't know what is it william and mary that college that i went to go interview like sure i can go there's not a problem i can go anywhere yeah we could have went back to belgium if we wanted to and that was a car a conversation and it's it's crazy now that i mean we've been here three years and the community, the people, like all of the things that we love about living here are not the things that I think I probably would have put on a list when given the opportunity to move anywhere. Right. Yeah. Like we lived in Tacoma, Washington. We lived in near, you know, near Brussels. And there's the cool, like the big city stuff or like the culturally relevant things or the, the outdoorsy areas that are just a bunch of a bunch of like checklist items. But it was when we came here and we hung out for those two weeks and those two weeks became three or four weeks. <laughs> and it was, we should just live here. And that conversation was really easy. Hmm. And so I think that also makes that three year period go by a lot faster because we don't have to force ourselves to be comfortable in an environment. Yeah. Where a lot of places we've lived, we've absolutely had to do that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, that you came here and immediately, I mean, you knew us, but then you immediately got connected with other people uh, based because you were in the RV. So you immediately met some other friends of ours that helped out where you mm -hmm. could park the RV. So you got to know them. And then like my parents, you got to know them. And so you, it's not like you showed up to a random town where you knew one person and you only continued to know that one person <laughs> for a long time. Yep. You immediately met people, awesome people. And um uh, you know, got to see them in a town that they grew up in and that they're really connected to. So, and now there's an Anthony moving to town. I know that's crazy. How is that? Okay. So, so we were talking and me revealing that I had been here for three years, like you had a reaction. How is it that like now you have two employees that, are invested enough in what it is that you started and what it is that we are doing that they're willing to uproot their family and move to town in support of it. Is that scary? Is it inspiring? Is it? Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really scary because I mean, you guys are adults. You can make your own choices. I have not really, really pressured you to move here. <laughs> That's been entirely on your own, but, um, it's not scary from that perspective because, you know, I think everything is stable and everything is going well. I think we have like a good group dynamic and a team like we can pivot to anything. If there were some sort of problem, we figure it out. We make a new way. There's chairs 
sliding across the floor, apparently. Or thunder. Man. Let's move all the chairs at one Indiana time. Indiana Jones is running from a boulder. Yeah, so it's not scary. It is really cool um, to like to feel the investment, you know, of you guys that you want to that you're committed to it, you know. And I know nothing lasts forever. I don't mean that. Like you're committed from now on, and I can do whatever I want to, and you're just going to stick with it. I don't mean that. I mean the fact that you're taking an action towards something because you believe in it. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. But um, yeah, Anthony's moving to town. I'm glad about that. Uh, be easier on him to, you know, get back and forth to work and stuff, and he'll get to experience more of the cool community that is mm-hmm. around us, which I think it's, is, is Anthony awesome. drives an hour to and an hour from work every day, which is bananas. And I told him yeah. so when he started that I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, like oh, we're gonna go down a weird little nostalgia train here. Okay. Oh yeah. I remember the conversation of like why we needed another person. And it was like, well, maybe in the future we could have maybe another person. Yeah. And then it was the Lowe's, uh, the Lowe's deals with the bathrooms where there was in a super crazy, insane tight timeline that we were given. There was, there's no physical way possible that we can do all of this yeah. with just you breaking down a wall. And then, it was, well, some random person reached out on Instagram and I was like, okay, well, let's maybe talk to this person. And it was, okay, he's coming in to do like a day's worth of trial shooting. And I don't think in the hour commute from leaving here to getting to the house, like that decision was already made. <laughs> no. <laughs> it no, seemed like it. Like, no, it wasn't like that. No, he came in and, and shot for the day and it went really well. And then he and I had one or two phone conversations after that. I don't remember. Um, you know, talked about maybe doing it again, and I was trying to figure out what his job situation was like and stuff. Because I immediately saw how handy it was to have. He said, "Terrible." To, <laughs> it was, it was a big step up just because the first step was so low. Um, we, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I found immediately how how like beneficial it was to have somebody, you know, cause you had taken over the camera stuff and you were doing a good job with it, but we needed both of us and to have somebody else just manage that part of it freed us up to do more of the things. And I honestly, I think it's going to continue that way. Not that I mean we have to hire a bunch of people, but I think eventually all of us are going to find that I just want to do this part and there will continue to be things that, are just better left to somebody else to do. And then we find a person or a, a situation where that can be done by somebody who really likes to do that thing. And I think that's a natural growth, I think. That conversation between the two of us was very uncomfortable for me because it was extremely foreign for me. Because you came to me and went, what parts of this job do you not like to do? And every other career I have ever had is you are going to be hired under this pretext. Mm. I go, okay, great. And then once you're there, like, we need you to do this and we need you to take care of this. And now we need you to run this and this and this and this. So the additional duties or the additional responsibility list was ever growing. And this was the first time that someone came up to me and was like, well, out of all of that stuff that you're doing, what do you not like to do so that we can have somebody who is actually skilled enough to make that, you know, their sole purpose? I was very intimidated. Um, I, I had to feel like, and I remember when I got hired here, I told you that I will do literally, I will do all of the things because that's my personality. Right. And I will not tell you that something is too much for me. I will just end up doing it and I will get it done and it will be finished and everybody will be happy or I'll do it again. Any additional duty will have to be pulled from me kicking and screaming just because I don't want someone to think I can't do something. Right. Yeah. And so that conversation was like, oh my God, he wants to take something away from me. <laughs> like he, he thinks I'm doing a terrible job at something like, no, 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 it's, it's fine. We don't need to hire anybody. No, 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 no it's good. I'll, I'll do all of it. Laundry. You need laundry. I can do yeah. laundry. No, but all the things that I am responsible for, I will, I will juggle all of these things. Yeah. And you were like, well, which one of those balls do you want to put down? None of them. Not a single one of them. Look what I can do. I will do a backflip. Maybe. <laughs> While I'm doing this, give me a second. I'll do a backflip real quick. And then when Anthony came and he started running camera, uh, I felt like it was that thing. Like now he has that ball. And I was right. like, 
well, crap, I had that ball. And now it looked to me as a deficiency hmm. rather than an opportunity. Right. And I forgot what video it was, but he shot something in a way that like, I would have never thought about doing. I'm like, that looks amazing. I'm like, there it is right there. Yeah. That's the smallest bit of responsibility that can be taken away from someone who could do it to yeah. someone who should be doing it. And I remember the first video that he edited. I don't remember what it was, but it was a completely different style. It was a completely different look. It was refreshing. And while I was editing ads and bits videos and all the other stuff, it may have been technically correct, but there was nothing new or fresh about it. And it was the the could and should conversation yeah. constantly kind of got at me. And I'm sure that, I mean, well, the new stuff that we're talking about very cryptically, I mean, that conversation is going to happen again. And I'm going to have wine and say that I can do every single thing that can yeah. be done by only one person. Like, it's ridiculous. But it is refreshing to see when you have a person come into an organization and they are suited for that thing. Because yeah. it's like, it. Anthony's editing style has affected a lot of other things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And if I were in your shoes or if I were running the thing and I wanted to do it all myself, because again, it seems like a, a deficiency in my personality. If I let something go, like you're missing out on an opportunity to be better in a way that you didn't even know because it's someone else's perspective. Yeah. And I mean, you can do everything to, you know, you can do 10 things at 10% or you can do two things at 50%. And I found before you guys came on that I was doing I mean, honestly, from the beginning, I've never done all of it, so I don't want to make it sound like that. 4B has always helped in some different way at different points. But I was doing the majority of everything and hating it, hating the fact that I had to do this and this and this, and, and I just they had to be done. But I wanted to do you know this slice of the pie only. And so I know that feeling of I'm overwhelmed just because I can doesn't mean I should. How do I pick the parts that I want to do and then find somebody who would choose those remaining parts and let them do those? And I think that's a huge thing for anybody that's feeling overwhelmed, especially if you're trying to run your own business, is making those three lists that I've talked about before of the things that you have to do, the things that you can do, and the things that you shouldn't do or don't want to do, however you want to frame that. Um, but I think it's really important sometimes, especially in like your case where that's not your personality, to have that forced on you because it does help you kind of figure out what do I like here or what's the thing that gets me excited, not the thing can I check off. Yeah, because then it's, it's, it's every other job at that point. Yeah. It's all the past jobs. Right. That something needs to get done. Someone who is in a higher position, you doesn't want to do it. Therefore, it becomes your responsibility, whether and, you like it or not. And the cool thing about, I think, our personalities as people who make things is that we are problem solvers. We can jump in and fix any. I could shoot and edit a video. I mean, over COVID, I did that again. I mm -hmm. shot, at least. I can. So we have the flexibility to jump in and do all the jobs and to trade them off and whatever. And I've always, in every company I've ever had, I've tried to hire people who were flexible enough to be multi-tools. That doesn't mean you have to stay that way. Having that flexibility for, you know, sprints and for certain tasks is a great thing, a great skill, but it's exhausting. Yeah. So it's not a good long-term plan. So I think that's what makes a Venn diagram good is everybody <clears throat> is in their own bubble. Right. And then that bubble overlaps. Yeah. It's that's, not that's just a, a, a giant pond with everybody in it. Yeah. Or one person drowning in that pond because <laughs> they can't, <laughs> they can't do it all. All right. We've been going for about an hour. How do you tell? You look at the screen and I don't see so what you see. So down there in the bottom, the little red record dot, yeah. right next to it, it says recording and then a time. Oh, okay. It's very small, but I can see the 57. I, I got it. That's, that's enough. <laughs> so My eyes used to be really good. Um, so let's wrap it up. Big thanks to our Maker Alliance members. I don't know what I was about to say, but it wasn't Maker Alliance members. Thank you to people who help out. I like to make stuff mm. and our, our kind of inner circle of people, our community. Uh, and it's, it's super cool. We had the hangout yesterday, the monthly, uh, video hangout with, I don't know how many people were on there. There was 20, a lot of people. There were people that, I mean, I haven't been in the last few, 
but there's a lot of people I didn't recognize. So that's great. Yeah. Hopefully there'll be more. It's so fun. Like we, we hop in there every time there's running jokes between people Mm -hmm. on discord. Somebody always says like, okay, everybody wear a hat this time or wear a helmet or this time it was hold a tool. So the videos all pop up and like, is that what that was about? Yeah. Somebody's like holding them a miter saw up to the thing and everybody's holding tools. And I had no idea what was going on because I'm a slacker on discord (laughs) and I always show up and there's a different thing happening anyway. It's a super cool group of people and they are becoming friends. Mm-hmm. They end up hanging out and talking after I leave, which I think is super cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for them and that entire community. If you want to check that out, it was already on screen, but you can go to ilikesmakestuff.com slash join. We would appreciate it. Where can people find you? Mostly on Instagram at Josh underscore makes stuff. You can find both of us, all of us, everyone. All of us at I Like to Make Stuff on all the different platforms, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, another, I, th- I think I mentioned it last time, but Brain Pick is coming back. Did mm-hmm. I mention it last time? I don't remember. I think you did. I think yes, I did. you did. You didn't say who it was. Yes. So uh, I'm still not going to say who it is. Oh, that was close. But it's coming soon. Probably. I next, tried everybody. <laughs> probably next week. And those Maker Alliance members are going to get the after show, which is going to be an extended bit of conversation with hopefully every guest, every episode. <laughs> with insert name um anyway that's coming back i'm really excited about it and i hope to do a whole lot of those so be on the lookout for that it's already in the podcast players so if you want to go ahead and add it to your uh your player you can do that and the new episode will show up very soon i think that's it yeah i want it. i want i wasn't <laughs> yeah. in on the conversation normally when you record making it Sometimes, depending on on what's going on, Anthony and I will be in the background and we can hear a third of the conversation. (laughs) Which is probably super confusing. Yeah, you recorded Brain Pick and we weren't here. Yeah. Which is part of me is like, well, I'm going to say hi to that person. So I need to (laughs) have an excuse like, oh, I forgot my my pencil. This one pencil very specifically. So Jenny was like texting me while we were doing the recording and she's like, let me know when you're done because I want to come down and say hi. (laughs) So she came down and they had a whole conversation that I had to have Brandon cut out of the edit. No. <laughs> but it was still in there. That was another one of those trips we were supposed to have. 2020! That trip's going to happen, though. Um, okay. Yeah, at some point. 2020. We'll talk about that soon. Okay, thanks for listening and watching. If you were watching us build these, we have... Uh, yeah, we're done with the done razor with the, crests. The double razor crests. Pretty cool. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. got to figure out a way to mount the razor crest on top of the Batmobile. Bye.